time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and good evening. You're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. I'm Ronan Berry. I'm delighted to have you for the next hour. And coming up in that time, I'll be talking to Mel McGurr from Athlone's MMA Architects. Their practice has been rapidly developing over the past couple of years and this year alone they've picked up a number of accolades, including most recently an international award for the design they carried out on a project here. So you'll hear all about that very, very shortly. Also, Mullingar's Mark Connaughton will be along. He's the inventor of Class Kicks. They're boots that help uh, teach kids how to correctly kick a football. It sounds so simple and if you see the product which will stick a picture up in a little while too, you'll go, that is such a simple idea. It's an absolute topper of one and it's developing into a nice little business for Mark already. So he'll be along around half past seven to tell about his story and talk about how you can actually get your hands on his product too. It comes with a kind of coaching programme as well. So really interesting one. And later on I'll be talking to Kieran Conroy from The Square in Tullamore. Kieran recently amalgamated a cafe business and a bar business and um, basically we're going to talk about what that's been like, what their plans are for the festive season and indeed for 2024 and also I'm going to put it to him about the so-called latte levy that's due to come in I think soon enough and it'll put about 20 cent onto the price of a cup of coffee if it's served in a takeaway cup. If you look at some of today's papers there's been widespread debate about whether it's a positive move or a negative move. So let's see what somebody from the hospitality sector will say about that. Um, as always if you want to join the conversation with me on this evening's show 083 103 is the text and WhatsApp number powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota on the Arden Road in Tullamore. Always happy to hear your thoughts and opinions. But first this evening, what is it about County Leash and family businesses? On last week's show, I spoke to the David Walsh chemist from Ballykilcavan Farm and Brewery. David is the 13th generation of his family to manage the farm and he was the brainchild behind the brewery on it. Another Leash business, though, is now in its eighth generation of family ownership and it's Tracy's Bar and Restaurant in the Heat. It is a phenomenal venue. It has been in operation since around 1780 and the current uh, Tracy involved is none other than Niall Tracy and Niall joins us now. Niall, a very good evening to you. Good evening, Ron. How are things? Niall, I'm sure you haven't been around since 1780 anyway, but just take us through it. I know that it's, it's a bar and restaurant now. It's been through a couple of different iterations over the years, has it? It has indeed, and I suppose that's been the kind of the, the secret to its success is being able to adapt to the environment around it. Um, so back kind of in my grandmother's time, um, it was uh, there was filling stations out the front because we were situated just right on the old Dublin Road, and um, it was a little shop as well. So people would come and buy their bits and bobs. The bar was kind of split half a bar and half a shop, and then the rest of the building was was the family home really right up until 1997. And it was kind of famous most recently as a pub, and you've really mm-hmm. branched and kind of embraced the restaurant aspect of it lately. And when did that first come about, and what prompted the move into into going to kind of into food in a big way? Yeah, um, Dad took over the the bar back in around 76 and um, Ma came on board then in around 78 and uh, they, they worked away in the pub there and uh, how they kinda, the restaurant came about was we've uh, we a nice big car park out the front and sometimes there'd be a few maybe kind of passers-by, lorry drivers call in and uh, maybe have a drink and they might be hungry and Ma might make them a toasted sandwich or something like that from the kitchen and the kind of the idea really kind of just kind of developed from there. It was the it was the lorry drivers really that that got the place going for us, and thankfully they're they're still pulling up in in front of the yard there today. 
And of course, during COVID then as well, you know, we saw a lot of a lot of pubs and stuff be, really began to look at their offering overall, I suppose, both as a kind of a contingency then in the event that when they got back open, how they might, you know, give customers a service they want as well. Did, did that period, did it allow you to reflect on it? Did it change in any way your, your business model? Um, not so much COVID, but um, in in recent times now, the business has kind of developed into a company. So that really kind of... Um, focused the business and focused our minds. Uh, my sister Fiona, who is uh, heavily involved in the business as well, and uh, she's a qualified company director, um, and she sits on maybe another board as well, but she, her, her coming into the business was really able to kind of give us a focus and kind of concentrate more on, you know, what, what we want to do with the business kind of going forward and our not so much strategy, but, you know, what we're about and really kind of focusing on that and, uh, uh, been able to deliver deliver that to the customer. There's been a lot of talk within your sector over the last five or ten years too about the demise of the the more rural or local pub or outlet as well. Has that something that is has that ever played on your minds, or has it ever affected decisions you're making, or have you just kind of retained your success and, and not seen that as a, as an issue? Thankfully, we've we've always had good support from the locals. Um, been been a rural kind of pub as well. There is that challenge. Um, unfortunately, maybe there mightn't be, you know, taxis available, that kind of a thing. But we we actually have a little courtesy bus here as well that we can kind of use and we'll, we'll make sure that the locals can kind of get on safely, that kind of a thing. Um, so that's kind of, that's actually helped our business, you know, immensely. But it's it's the, the restaurant aspect that was able to finance that. You know, if we were just a little rural pub out in the middle of the country, you know, it would be hard to pay for a minibus and pay for a driver and pay for insurance and all that. So it's definitely an issue there for for rural pubs, you know. Yeah, what a fantastic initiative and, and a lovely thing to do as well, because there really is that community element to it that often gets commented on. But I think, it, as you say, it, it can be hard for a business like yours or other businesses mm. to take action on that. But you found a way of doing that. And, and it's, it's, it's fantastic. And you must be commended on it. The pub, of course, it has a very distinctive look. It's a attached building with, a, with whitewashed walls. So it's very distinctive if anybody's ever seen it or has passed it. It is indeed, yeah. And um, to be able to retain the touch, you know, is, is fantastic. Um it's as I say, it's and it's still, the original rafters are actually still in that roof, which is which is amazing. You know, it's just the craftsmanship that was there back two hundred odd years ago was phenomenal. Um, so to have that there, and then it, it'll have to be we're about seven years into the thatch now, so hopefully we'll get about another maybe seven years out of it as well. Um, unfortunately, nowadays there's only I think there's only thirty six thatch. Uh, dwelling to left in Leash back in uh, the 1911 census just over half the houses in Leash were attached you know so they are something that's kind of uh, dying away unfortunately but uh, we're we're delighted to be able to retain it because it's the heart of the building you know you see it and you kind of you think of Tracy's yeah, absolutely. There'd be a preservation order on them eventually. There should even be money put to, to retaining them as well. Is it hard then, you know, fair, when... There there is, yeah. Okay. There is a preservation order there and, and there is support there as well, I have to say, yeah, in fairness to them now. And is it a challenge then, say, when when the thatch has to be renewed to actually get thatchers to replace it? Um, just talking to our thatcher recently, uh, he has an 18-month waiting list at the moment. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we'll have him booked well in advance. But uh, he does come down to us every year just to kind of um, give it a bit of a, a spray, get sprayed with blue spray, just helps preserve it. And then if there's any kind of patch-up work that has to be done, he'll 
he'll maintain it. So there is a constant kind of maintenance uh, to it. But um, we're just we're fortunate to have a, a good toucher because they're they're a dime a dozen now as well. Absolutely, yeah, it's such a distinctive look oh. and a, a distinctive building. But of course, that leads us to something that happened last week and at an event in Dublin to mark fifty years of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Um, you were presented with a scale model of the pub, one of only six pubs in the country to be presented by this. Um, I've seen images of it. It looks absolutely amazing. Um, what was that like to actually have that now and have it replicated in, in, in miniature scale? Ah, it was fantastic. We we were contacted there during the summer uh, to see would be like to take part in the program. Um, as I say, the vintners celebrating fifty years, which is with the, the VFI of the you know they're a great asset uh, to the publicans. You know they're they're our our connection to government. So it's uh, it's great to be a part of the VFI and Daz been involved with them all down through the years. So they were looking for. They were looking for a little kind of attached premises, so they, they thought of us and contacted us to see what we like to take part. And it was great. Yeah, the event itself was lovely. Um, as I said, it was five other pubs involved in it, and it was it's nice for small business to be recognised by the big guys, you know, um, yeah, for for Guinness to kind of pump a bit of money into it. They took out ads in the local paper and local social media and things like that as well. So. Supports like that from uh, from Guinness is it's really greatly appreciated. But the little scale model is it's it's near pitch perfect. Like it's unbelievable. It's it's a fantastic job that's done. It does. It looks absolutely incredible. And if anybody mm. checks out your social medias, there they'll they'll see that as well. But of course, another really interesting part of it was you also got presented with a cake version of that model too. And I remember when I looked at these first, I was kind of going, right, is it an actual model or is it a cake? And it turns out it was both as well. Was the cake nice? The, the lovely cakes up there as well. We didn't actually get to have the cake of Tracy's. I think that was more so for the promotion of it. But up at the event, um, they had a lady there, uh, Karina McGuire, um, and she had made a, a replica Guinness tap. She'd made replica beer mats. She had uh, made toucans. She had pints of Guinness on the counter that were actually cakes. You know, it was it, it was phenomenal in fairness to them. It was a really good job. and They put a lot of effort and time into it. It does. It sounds amazing and, and great recognition for yourselves too and, and the work that you're doing and to think that the business has carried on into the eighth generation and by all accounts sounds like it's going to be going for a lot longer as well. Look, at congratulations from all of us here in Midlands 103. Fabulous story, great business, really distinctive building and it's wonderful to have it reproduced in miniature scale and it's going to, you know, it's going to be there for years to come as well. Niall Tracy, thank you so much for coming on this evening. Thanks so much, Ron. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Not at all. Your pleasure, Niall. And if you want to find out more about their business, check out you know Instagram or even Facebook there. Look for Tracy's The Heat or Tracy's Bar and Restaurant and you'll find out all you need to know and you'll check out those pictures of that scale model and stuff. And uh, great initiative, great move by Guinness and the VFI. Of course, the president is Offaly man John Clendenin uh, for the next year and a half as well. So um, you know, congratulations to John and his role as well and the great work he's doing there. Time for a quick break. After that, let's talk to an architect about uh, 200-year-old rafters and thatch roofs as well and see what his opinion He's an award-winning architect, actually, so you'll find out all about them in just a couple of moments. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. 
Still to come on Taking Care of Business this evening, uh, Mullingar's Mark Connaughton will be along to talk about class kicks, a brilliant boot that he's invented. It helps kids learn the correct football techniques, allows them to develop their own confidence in their football skills, but also life confidence in general. Fantastic story, a new emerging business and one that's going to go great places. Later on to Kieran Conroy from the Square Tullamore. We'll talk about amalgamating both his cafe and bar businesses and maybe we'll ask him about that proposed latte levy and see what his take on it is as somebody in the hospitality sector. But before the break, we were speaking to Niall Tracy from Tracy's in the Heat and he mentioned about how their pub is, you know, it's well known for its thatched roof. And as Niall pointed out, the rafters in it are over 200 years old and they're still the original ones. So during the break, I said to my next guest, Mel McGurr from MMA Architects, you know, that we'll put a question to him about thatched roofs. And as it turns out, they're actually working on a project right now that has a thatched roof. Mel, I'm shocked by that. Uh, <laughs> tell us about this one. Hi, Ronan. Uh, yeah, we, we, we have the honour in many ways of working on a beautiful uh, protected structure in Roscommon and Caravadine, um, thatched building pre-famine. And it, it was amazing. I suppose my colleague Blair Anderson, who's a conservation architect, uh, led led the, 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 the project. But when you started to peel back the layers of what was there, had been various iterations of work had been done on it over the years, but when we started to peel back to the original, to see the original uh, timber uh, rafters and and the the peg connections, etc., was 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 amazing, absolutely amazing, and and rope connections and uh, turf, turf basically, if you like, um, uh, in parts of the st- structure is it's just yeah, incredible stuff. Yeah. But obviously, re- retained its ability to be waterproof, hence the structure member stayed intact. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And the original, the the thatch, obviously, it's retached every every so often, but the thatch has remained in place during the course of the works and is still fine. And we've we've fully restored it now internally. And the client moved into the house there about a month ago, which is great. They're in, in, in plenty of time for Christmas. So Isn't fantastic. it just wonderful to hear that when so much focus is on sustainability and sustainable design and even circularity as well, that you can take natural materials and they can withstand, OK, bar the thatch being replaced, they can actually withstand that length as well and will do for, for a lot longer as well. It's incredible. Um, MMA Architects, you're based in that loan. Take us from the start. When did you first get together and, and uh, what was it that led you into forming your own practice? Yeah, I suppose we, we started out in 2007, um, myself and uh, Patrick Murphy and then we were joined by Blair Adamson um, uh, as an, uh, an architect in 2012. Um, I suppose the reason I always had a desire to work work for myself. Uh, the opportunity was there. We we worked from worked the business up from small. Uh, I would have had a lot of experience um, working for. I was an associate in a firm of architects in Limerick. Worked for Heavy Architects at the time in Athlone, and then. Um, uh, got the took the opportunity, and we've built the practice from, I suppose, uh, the ground up. Uh, a lot of houses and extensions during the recession, which kicked in in oh eight oh nine. Um, there really wasn't much commercial work, so we did what we had to do, and uh, it started to grow from there. And in recent years, we've really built the practice. We uh, have worked in the UK. We were involved in a project, a uh, massive project in uh, just off Oxford Street in London, uh, uh, consulting and as in, uh, I suppose, internal architects and BIM consultants for an Irish construction company that were delivering 20 apartments and 10,000 square foot of back of house to uh, in a building there. So that was that was a great experience. In terms of the service you deliver then, are there a number of kind of key areas you focus on or, or is that expanding as the business grows? No, it's expanding. I, I think we, we, we've we always um, never liked to pigeonhole ourselves particularly. 
We do have specialisms. Um, we, we would have an expertise in BIM, building information modelling, which is uh, a kind of a process in, uh, for, for delivering uh, in, integrated delivery of buildings. Um, we would have a lot of experience uh, and consult on a lot of modular construction. We, we've uh, worked a lot with two, two large companies, Actavo and P. McVeigh's, uh, in delivery of school buildings. We're uh, supporting uh, in, uh, delivery of a building in Beaumont Hospital and um, a secondary school in Dublin with Actavo. Um, and then conservation, obviously, is another specialism we'd have. Um, we were involved in a lot of different projects there, including actually we were the architects and conservation architects on the recent refurbishment of the old bonded warehouse here in Tullamore for Shane Lowry and Alan Clancy. And uh, yeah, so we, we they, they're the kind of areas. But in terms of our scope of work, we, we were working on uh, exempt extensions right through to we got planning permission about a month ago for 80,000 square foot office and research facility in Limerick for analogue devices. So it's a, it's a very, very broad church, if you like. And uh, we, but we, we focus on our clients and we deliver deliver for them. You're taking us there from private domestic right up to high-end multinational corporate and kind of everything in between as well. Do you still get, is there still a lot of allowance though or indeed a precinct for an architect's personal style and to bring their own flair to projects? Ah, uh, There is, yeah. Yeah, and look, you know, if you're, if uh, I would always say to clients, it's a partnership. We have to work with you. At the end of the day, um, we will bring our expertise, but they that 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 person or that end user, they're going to be there for the rest of their lives. Um, so you, you you know we can't force our thoughts on them. What we like to do is gather what they want, what they like, and we will try and marry that with our our thoughts. Um, best use of space and, in, you know, uh, I suppose in compliance with regulations and, and planning, you know. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, that's it. You, you can't escape compliance and regulation. But also, I, I guess now things like maybe designing for not just health and safety and for the, the operational life of the building, but also from a sustainability perspective, is, is that becoming a big driver for your clients now? Yeah, huge. Um, like every domestic client we have doesn't want to be paying electricity bills, uh, power, you know, they, they want to be contributing to the you know, they, they realise our, our environment is is in danger and they want to contribute to that. And then you have at the other spectrum, you have the likes of um, the multinationals and that building in Limerick is designed to be Platinum LEED certified. So like they're, they have in-house um, environmental teams and they're absolutely determined to to drive those standards. So it's it's fascinating. It's 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 a great space to be working in and it's great to see that everyone really wants that. You know, I, I don't come across anyone saying, no, 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 I want I want my coal fire, you know, they, 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 they see the, the benefits of it. There must be m- massive collaboration then between the various services and disciplines like, you know, the M&E consultants, the environmental teams in order to deliver projects like that. And um, BIM, I'd imagine, is a great enabler for that. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we've been working in, in a BIM environment for a number, for over 10 years. Um, it's, it's a huge uh, driver for, for collaboration. Um, you know, it, it's, you're, you're building the building virtually and then you're building it. And like we can, it's far easier and far cheaper to amend problems or make changes when it's in a digital environment than when it's in bricks and mortar. There's no doubt about that. So like even for domestic scale houses, we would often now start modelling um, the ventilation systems when we get the design from ventilation companies because some of the houses are quite complex. So we just model those to see if there's any issues going to arise during the build and try and reduce and a clash avoidance, if you like, um, of of services. So so the coordination. There's a lot of meetings, 
particularly in the larger projects, you, you'll find you, you spend a lot of time in meetings, but it, it, the end result is, you know, fairly coordinated building. And we saw that in particular in the London project, which was uh, what, what's called a, a level two BIM proje- project back in 2016. That, that was huge learning curve working with amazing companies in, in the UK. One thing that's going through my mind is if you know, we're in a time now where there's no more open fires or you know, fossil fuels won't be used in domestic houses. So is that going to open that door for thatch roofs again? You know, if, if, there's, if the risk is reduced, will there be more thatch of one there in years to come? <laughs> well, there are indeed. Um, there's a, a fantastic firm of architects in the UK called Archetype and they have pioneered, along with others, um, the reuse of, 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 of straw uh, and the use of straw as a material for construction. And they have in, indeed designed and built uh, straw-walled office buildings and and stuff like that. So like it, it's definitely you know people are looking at every every angle and every opportunity. It, it is probably very small scale at this stage, but what I think we're going to see um, is timber and the use of CLT um, structural timber is going to become a lot more. Uh, prominent, uh, particularly in office buildings and and structures like that. Yeah, major major changes in a relatively smart, uh, small scale of time. It's been a another highly successful year for you, um, capped by a number of awards. Uh, the most recent one, an international award, uh, the Award for Excellence in Architectural Technology for and the small to medium winners was yourselves for the Irish Life Sciences Global HQ. Um, what did it feel like getting that major international accolade? Uh, it was amazing. It really was. <laughs> Uh, they, uh, in fairness, the Irish took over that night in London. Um, it wasn't just ourselves. There was two other major award winners, uh, RKD Architects for the Guinness Storehouse, which will give you an idea of the, the standard of, of yeah. competition. They they won for the, the category just above us. And Craig O'Halloran, an amazing architectural technologist who's um, become a senior member in one of the biggest architectural practices in the world, Gensler, <coughs> won, won, won an award as well. But it was an amazing uh, moment uh, you know, well earned by the by the team in MMA. We 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 worked very hard in that project. We had a great client. Uh, have to give a huge thanks to Declan Rourke and and the team at Irish Life Sciences who were very forward thinking. Uh, wanted to reuse an existing warehouse to create a modern, contemporary, um, functional uh, office building. And it was the it was the sustainability element, uh, the carbon reduction. Uh, in the design, in the design, like they, they reusing a, a built building is the most uh, sustainable building. So being able to reuse the building that was there um, was was a, a huge contributor to us uh, winning that award. If it's the most sustainable building, is it also the most costly approach? Is there or is is that balancing out? Uh, that's actually a really good question. Um, I think it depends on the project. It can be. It can be the most uh, it can be the most expensive uh, approach but it'll depend on the existing sh- structure that's there and it, look not all the time it depends on the, the proposed use you won't always be able to use all of the building but it should be the starting point um, can we reuse what's there and keep demolition to the minimum amount yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm sure it's going to come into consideration, particularly with corporate clients over the next couple of years, such as the focus on that. I mean, and you say, even from the point of view of them reducing their carbon emissions at construction stage. But uh, it's another award this year. I mean, you picked up another major one as well um, for work on a, on a massive retrofit project in Tullamore. Yeah, um, so uh, it was the uh, Irish Construction Excellence Award for uh, residential, small residential, uh, I should say, um, a house here in Tullamore. Uh, again, another brilliant client and a brilliant builder, um, Roger Smith Technobuild. 
um, deep retrofit. Yes, uh, it, it would have been a, a you know a costly project, but one the client and ourselves and the builder were hugely passionate about, and um, it 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 went from being uh, F rated up to a, a an A one rated building, and. Uh, it's yeah it it was a really really cool really cool project and and like architecturally minimal enough um changes some some subtle changes to make the whole plan work better and um, the real the real work was in the fabric and uh Bring, bringing it up to, to up to spec. Yeah, and that's a major achievement to bring a building from that B or rating up to the top rating. It's it, yeah. it's sometimes been talked as being almost impossible, but it clearly again showing the way that, that it can be done. And of course, about three weeks ago, you picked up the SME of the year at the Loan Chamber Award, so it's been a great one. What does that do for you then? What's in the pipeline for over the next year or two, say, for MMA architects? Yeah, look, we, we've a very exciting couple of years ahead. We've we've some amazing projects in, in the pipeline. Um, we're really excited to be working on with, with great clients uh, all across the country. Um, um, as far afield as as Kerry, um, uh, some work in Donegal, um, we're, we're we're all over the place. Um, uh, it it we, we, yeah, we have a pretty exciting year ahead. There's going to be um, a, a, a rebranding of the company. Um, we're we're really looking forward to that. Uh, we'll be launching in the new year, and uh, it's yeah, it's it's just an exciting time. It's a great time to be involved in our industry. Um, there is. Um, you know, lots of really good companies. We're really pushing the boundaries of what can be done with building and construction, and and design. And it's yeah, it's great. Absolutely, Mel. Thank you so much for coming over this evening. And I did not foresee we would start a conversation talking about thatch roofs. But again, it goes to show you the the the, the way technology both evolves but goes back to the way it was. As well, and it's been fascinating. And it's encouraging yourself and all the team. If you want to find out more about them, mmaarchitects.ie is the website. You'll find them across the social media channels, Facebook and LinkedIn, etc. But for now, Mel McGurr, thank you so much for popping in this evening. Thanks. Um, time now for a quick break. After that, you're going to meet a local entrepreneur who's developed a really innovative and pretty awesome football boot that teaches kids how to kick a football correctly. Talk to you in a couple of moments. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Big change over a guest in the studio here. Mel McGurr has just left and my next guests are sitting in front of me right now. Very shortly we'll be talking to Kieran Conroy from the Square in Tullamore talking about amalgamating some of his businesses and uh, I'll put a few questions to him about the latte levy. See what his thoughts are on that as a business owner. But the person in front of me right now is a guy called Mark Connaughton. He's uh, based in Mullingar and he is the founder of Class Kicks. And uh, as I've said throughout the show there, they are a football boot designed to help kids kick a football correctly. Good evening, Mark. Thanks very much for having me, Ron. I'm sitting here with a football boot. Looks absolutely cool. Different colours on it as well. How did the idea first come to you? Yeah, I suppose I've been a coach for the last 13, 14 years and I was coaching in California at the time and I was teaching a group of 12-year-olds at the time and I, w- I was trying to get them to do a skill that involved using the top of the inside of your foot. Even when you say that, it sounds confusing. So I did a silent demonstration, verbal demonstration and off he went and did a skill but he kept on using the heel and he was just finding it really difficult. So I was thinking, he's 12, he should be able to pick up this skill, skill quite easily. Um, so I decided to ask, there was 100 kids on the camp and I decided to ask them, did they know the basics, the inside, the outside, the sole and the laces? And only 9% could tell me the answer. So I was like, there's got to be an easier way. I'm always having to bend down and touch each part of the foot that I want the coach or the kids to use. And so I went home, I started drawing pictures of football boots, which I wasn't very good at, and eventually got um, a designer when I came back to Ireland uh, to, to start the project. 
Uh, one of the main things after a bit of research, I found that um, 50% of primary school kids under 10 can't kick a ball correctly. And that was a study done in DCU. And I just thought that's one in two kids. And I was thinking, that's a massive problem. How can we make this easier? And that's when it all started. And when you said not kicking correctly, is that largely down to the way they're kicking or which part of the foot or is there more is or is that in turn kind of maybe you know making their posture wrong that they're if they're not kicking with the right part yeah one of the main things is and you've probably seen it yourself is when a kid's starting off and they're constantly kicking with the toe and kicking with the toe can cause injury it's a bad habit and if you don't learn early you'll end up doing it into your 11s 12s 13s so that was the first thing i wanted to try and uh, solve then the second thing is there's actually two different parts of the inside of your foot that nobody really talks about. One would be used to pass, which is represented by the green, and then one would be used to shoot, which is represented by the blue. And when I when I was teaching the kids, they found it difficult to identify and remember the different parts of their feet. And this is the teaching tool that we've came up with. I have a 10-year-old who's playing soccer at the minute and they're doing a lot of the ball mastery and it is exactly that. It's the, the difference between kicking and passing and, and it's extra, I'm, I'm holding the boot in my hand at the minute and as you say green, I'm going, yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> so look, you've done your market research initially with a group of 12-year-olds. It's a big leap to go from there to getting a prototype and then developing a business from it. What was that journey like? Yeah, so I came back to Ireland then in 2019 and it actually took me like nearly two years to get the product to market. But um, I had a good idea. Um, I thought the first thing I needed to do was protect it. So when I was over in California, I was ringing up the patent office and, uh, and doing it the wrong way. <laughs> so I came back to Ireland and I rang up my local enterprise office and they said, you have a good good idea there, but you don't have a business. And I was like, oh, but I do have a business, but I didn't at the time. So they put me in touch with Enterprise Ireland and the New Frontiers program. And I went through phase one of that. And that was three months, just kind of developing your target market, your idea, who are going to be your key partners. And then 12 were selected uh, to get into phase two, which also gave us funding for the project. And one of the things that we did with the funding was we wanted to create a strong brand that resonated with kids and parents around Ireland. So I was able to go through that program, learn loads from it. And at the end of it, I, I kind of had an idea what I was doing. Yeah, it's still quite, quite fast track. Two years can sound like a lot. I think at startup phase, somebody can think two years is an eternity. But actually, in reality, it's quite pure. Were you under the kind of tutelage of Nick Allen on New Frontiers? Yeah, no, Nick yeah. Allen. Nick, yeah. Has, Nick is responsible for a lot of Midlands businesses going to New Frontiers as well. So after New Frontiers finished then, how did you get it from there and actually start getting it into shops and, and, and start selling product? Yeah, so as I said, I tried to draw pictures myself, didn't work out. Then we got a local girl uh, called Lorna Burke from Roscommon to do us up eight different designs of the boots. I had my favourite and I was like, oh yeah, this is the boot it's going to be. But then I showed the kids at a local camp in Westmead and they picked the design we have now. So I obviously had to go with the kids. Uh, Mine actually came fourth out of eight, so that showed me (laughs) I was wrong. Um, Then we... We contacted suppliers around the world and we got in uh, different boots over COVID. So each time I got a new boot in, it would cost me 30 days of work. And I got it wrong seven times before eventually got it right the eighth time. <laughs> so eventually found a good supplier that the the design was good on the outside. It was comfortable on the inside and we were able to go forward from then. So then we had a product in hand and I was like, okay, let's try and get it into the shops. Um, So I went to my local shop in in Mullingar and I was like, 
is there any like I, I I was kind of scared going in and I was like what do you think of this product and he say he said it's a great idea yeah we'll take some in for you see how they go and we got a second one in Newbridge and the more shops we got in the easier it became because you weren't the first one taking a risk on a product product and at the start of 2022 we had three or at the start of this year we had three shops and now we have 47 stockists around Ireland. And what strikes me actually when you look at it there's no tech involved and that is so rare these days and I think if you're trying to sell to kids and parents Mm. they're probably inundated with you know download this sign up for that even cereal boxes now like if you remember how you used to get a free toy now you have to fake and download it like I think a lot of parents are put off by that and to see a product that you know you look at it and you can kind of instantly understand what it's supposed to do the name is very interesting for anyone listening it's Class Kicks now it's K-L-A-A-S-K-I-K K, geez, I'll start that again. K L A A S K I C K Z. The class bit, though, comes not just from an Irish term in terms of its class, it actually is a family link. Yeah, it's actually named after my dad. And um, when I was younger, I used to meet up my dad every Sunday and we'd bring a football everywhere we went. Now, my dad didn't actually know much about football at the time, so he's probably teaching me the wrong way. And <laughs> that's kind of kind of brings it back um, to what it's all about. Yeah, I know you said there was no tech, but it kind of comes with some training videos as well that will teach you the the basics. That's allowed. That's yeah, allowed. <laughs> um, that teach you the basics. And my dad was teaching me the wrong way in the in the garden. So now a kid can get a pair of boots with his parents, create a bond between parent and child, and um, become more confident. That's what it's all about. So you make a good start at sport, you're more likely to continue, become active, confident, and you can bring that into later life. If you have a bad experience at sport, you might turn into have a sedentary lifestyle and be turned off sport. And that's why the coaches are so important as well. I have coach Shane O'Keefe with me here as well, which is one of the best coaches in Mullingar. And he comes around and does the skills programs with us. And he's he's received some fantastic praise. Shane, um, as a coach, you're using the product as well. What's What do you see in it? What, where do you see the real benefits in it? Um... It's just it just makes it so much easier. Uh, younger kids, we say junior infants, senior infants in schools. Uh, like Mark said, it's very hard to explain the different parts of the foot. So when you're on, when you're using the boots and you're using the green and the the blue for dribbling, it's uh, it just makes it so much easier. And it's uh, it's just yeah, as a coach, it makes the job so much so much more clear for the kids. I suppose. In business, everything we look at, any new process, any new tool or technique, we look like, will it save time? Will it make you? Do you notice that, like if you're, and Mark spoke about it at the start, you're, you're able to just point and say which colour rather than trying to describe parts of the foot. And yeah. again, if there's language barriers, you know, are you finding that, that actually it's, it's really expediting the, the kids in terms of the time they're taking to develop the skills? Yeah, it's so much quicker because, you, you, yeah, as Mark said, you learn through colours, it makes it, makes it a bit easier because if you're trying to describe the inside, the top inside, or the the bottom inside, or it, it's it's complicated. It's a slow process, and there you can see them in schools looking down at their feet and trying to trying to use what you're explaining with the the blue to dribble, the yellow to dribble, and as soon as it clicks, you see people that have never played football before just moving so much easier, and it's yeah, it's it's. It's, it's made, it's made my job a lot easier. 
Brilliant, brilliant. No, that that's fantastic. And I mean, again, like it's it really it's lovely to hear about it came initially from yourself, Mark, coaching with kids and then developing into this product as well. It's a this week is a busy week, Fredo. You're talking about how the last eighteen months have been busy. The National Startup Awards, there are they being announced this week? Yeah, the the winner is announced on Thursday. Um, we're going up and we're in the final six of the product and manufacturing uh, category. Last year we came in third place and. Um, Another category we're in is called the pitch. So there's four companies chosen in that and I have to go and stand on stage and talk about class kicks for four minutes in front of a crowd of maybe 100 or 200. So I'm a bit nervous about that, but um, really looking forward to the awards. We did our presentation in front of the judges last uh, week and thought it went quite well. So we'll see how we get on. Yeah, I I suspect you will have little problem as well. I think honing that pitch as well. You, you know, it's it's I say it's been such a rapid development of it. Um, really interesting, fantastic looking product. Um, you know, and exactly like it, you can see why it works. It looks it looks so simple, but uh, they're often the best products as well. Mark, for people to find out more about about the product or follow you online, what's the best place? How's the best place to get you? Yeah, you can get us on Instagram or Facebook at Class Kicks, or you can check out the product on ClassKicks.com. And keep an eye out for that across um, all those stockists as well. But Mark, uh, all the best, best of luck with the with with the finals uh, this weekend and with that pitch too, and uh, with everything else with Class Kicks. You move forward, and thanks for coming over this evening. Thanks very much, and thanks to Shane there as well. And again, great to have that input from from another coach too that is is using the product and actually reaping the benefits of it and getting himself a bit of time off as well because the kids are learning so fast. I hope uh, time now for me to get some time off, take a very rapid break. After that, I'll be back with Kieran Conroy from the Square in Tullamore, and uh, we'll talk about all things about how you know developing the business, the plan for the festive season and next year and indeed um, I'll ask him a couple of questions about that proposed Latte Levy. Taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business I'm joined now by Kieran Conroy the manager of and the owner of the music venue of the year that was uh, announced at the Midlands 103 Hospitality Awards recently as the Phoenix Bar and Venue in Tullamore now known as the Square Tullamore because you'd be familiar with Kieran over the years from on the show uh, used to own and manage the Square Cafe in Tullamore and during Covid like a lot of businesses but them and the business beside them which was the Phoenix Bar and Venue they kind of started to collaborate a little bit more in terms of food and stuff like that and because it was a very trying time for, for consumers and for businesses as well and uh, that has since led to Kieran actually taking the taking a lease on, on the pub and then most recently he's actually moved the cafe in there as well so it's been a period of a lot of development for Kieran. Uh, Kieran, how do you find time to manage all this? Um, challenging at times, but I suppose now the fact that we've merged the cafe into uh, the pub and just have one business under one roof, it, it, it does give us a little bit more free time, thank God. And I suppose from a point of view of even cost management, I mean, so much of the talk for the last couple of years has been on, on rising costs of doing business. Has has it proved a bit of a, a help in that regard? Yeah, it definitely is a little help. No, costs are still huge and, you know, they're, they're still going up. They, they haven't stopped or gone back to anywhere near levels they were before. So it is still very challenging, you know, for ourselves and every other business. Um, you know, but it is easier to manage and, you know, you, you are dealing with, I suppose, less suppliers and, you know, we're trying to just deal with uh, our, our own regular suppliers and from there we're trying to manage costs and, you know, increase costs as best we can. Yeah, no better way to help your working week if you go from running a busy cafe to then taking on a bar as well and uh, all the extra hours that brings too. But I suppose with, uh, we're into pretty much the end of November. This is the last show for November and we'll be into December next month. Have you a busy plan um, for, for the place over, over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, we do. We, we have a very busy few weeks coming up, which is great and we're really looking forward to it. So Christmas kicks off for us. 
this weekend we have the first few of our Christmas parties coming into us over the weekend and you know all up from now until the end of um, December we have you know lots of live music lots of Christmas parties loads of things planned a few, a few surprises so you know we're lucky in a way that we can offer everything basically we can offer you food we can offer you live music you know we've been you know as I said we've the venue at the back which won the you know music venue of the year we've, we've some fantastic acts planned for that over Christmas so you know we, we've everything under one roof and you know hopefully it'll, it'll be a, a fantastic Christmas for us. I suppose in the world you live there now you're probably looking deep into next year too in terms of organising gigs and events. Yeah we have we have a lot of next year planned out already as regards live music in the bar and coming to the venue. And, you know, last week we actually announced a, a festival that we're, you know, we're planning and running on um, Paddy's Weekend, you know, a big top uh, festival in uh, Roslawn Car Park behind us. You know, we're hoping to, you know, attract a large number of people to the town over that weekend. And we have some fantastic acts, you know, some of the biggest acts in, in Ireland and some of them are local as well, playing over the, over the three days. So it should be fantastic all going well. Brilliant, yeah, because that's, I think, we're definitely in that period, you know, kind of post-COVID where lots of people in Townsend are crying out for events as well to really kind of get people re-engaged and get them back in. So fantastic to hear. But I suppose one thing that I'm sure is on your horizons as a, as, a, as somebody who works in hospitality and entertainment, that this talk about the proposed latte levy, as it's been called, an extra 20 cent on a takeaway coffee or coffee product because of the use of single-use cups as well. Where do you sit on that as a business owner? Is it something you welcome as a necessary thing or is it something that is just going to add more pain to consumers? Well, it is definitely a double, double-edged double sword. We, you know, with something that hasn't, it's not a surprise, it's been talked about for the last two years and they've, they've tried to, you know, they've tried to bring it in and it's been pushed back for different reasons. You know, and recently they had a 90-day consultation with all the hospitality bodies. You can't see why it is being brought in, but it's not the right time. There's definitely... You know, we have enough added expense that we're now adding twenty a minimum twenty cents on the cost of, of a coffee for a customer who are already, you know, watching their pennies and watching, you know, their use. And if if this is something that could, you know, stop people from, you know, buying their cup cup of coffee every day, and if that happens, then you know, unfortunately, it's going to lead to increasingly more increased costs or and you know, even even job losses as as crazy as it sounds for twenty cents. So these are all of the things that businesses have to have to try and weigh up. You know, they're there's a lot of businesses under pressure and, you know, this is just another another extra charge on, you know, when, you know and they're finding it very unfair. Yeah, and I think even in today's Irish Times there I see some debate about, you know, whether between Jim Power and Kevin O'Sullivan whether the, the latte will stop people dumping, stop us dumping as a nation millions of, of coffee cups every year and one is saying yes, the other is saying no. You make an interesting point though, if it, if it dissuades people from buying that coffee in the first instance then nobody is winning. But, like, if we look around, certainly you see proportionally a lot more people using reusable cups, but I'd say never, not the level that people might have anticipated a couple of years ago. Well, COVID kind of has, has stopped that. Um, we did see, it was beginning to, to pick up a lot. You would have seen a lot of people coming in with reusable cups and, you know, there was obviously during COVID, you couldn't actually, we couldn't actually use reusable cups. We couldn't, you know, if you come into reusable cup, we couldn't actually serve you with that. So that's, that's stopped a lot of that and it hasn't really come back yet. Um, some some people, you know, are using it, but a lot of people don't like reusable cups. Don't like the taste of their coffee from them, and you know, I think that is is a problem. There's people that just, you know, that they're very particular about their coffee and how it's made and where to go to get it made, and you know, they don't like it in a, in a, in a reusable cup. They don't like the taste of it. So, you know, that really could 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 turn people away. But you also can see the point why they're trying to bring it in. But I, I don't think it's going to solve it, to be honest.
Yeah, as well believe the customer is king too and, and what the customer wants we, we have to serve so look I think there's a definitely a lot more mileage in that debate yet but uh, Kieran, it sounds like you have a fantastic uh, series of events planned for the Christmas and well into next year as well and congrats like great to hear of another festival coming to the Midlands and all the very best with that and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon on the show Cheers, thanks for that. That's Kieran Conroy there, the owner-manager of The Square in Tullamore. Um, fabulous venue there in O'Connor Square. And again, it's great to see local business people, you know, really putting an effort in and putting themselves out there, trying to create a bit of excitement and in, indeed a bit of business around the towns as well. Now, time for me to vacate this seat. I uh, hope you enjoyed this evening's show. I'll be back next week from 7pm, of course. Parik Devani is in the hot seat sitting in for Joe Cooney on Country Roads after the news at 8 o'clock. I'll be back with you, as I say, from 7pm next weekend. Looking, or sorry, next weekend, next week. And uh, that'll be December, the 5th of December already. Isn't that just crazy? Another year that you can only say, where is it gone? But anyway, let's enjoy it. Get the shopping done and we'll bring you some loads of great gift ideas on taking care of business. Talk to you soon. Taking care of business returns next Tuesday at 7pm with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.